you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 69 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a romantical weekend filled with love and joy and happiness. And what an NBA All-Star weekend that we had. But before we get into the NBA All-Star weekend and what's coming up for the Boston Celtics, obviously it's currently All-Star break. The Celtics don't play again until Thursday. But the great part about it is they head into the All-Star break, winning 11 out of their last 13 games. Pretty impressive, especially how they were playing. Remember how I told you guys they were playing like, what was it, 24 games in 42 days or 25 games in 41 days? It was something like that. I think it was 24 games in 42 days. But they're currently 38 and 16. There's 28 games remaining, 13 home games, 15 road games. And literally by not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, they will have 13 home games and 11 road games remaining because they go on a quick four-game West Coast trip, and I'll preview the first half of that with the Timberwolves and the Lakers later on in the podcast, and then they play the Jazz and the Portland Trailblazers, but we'll talk about that next week on episode 70 of the Banner Banter podcast. All right, according to tankathon.com, if you guys are basketball junkies like myself you know about tankathon.com it's a really cool nba draft website but it also does strength of schedule and according to tankathon.com the celtics have the 12th hardest schedule left out of all the nba teams they got two games versus the bucks one game versus the lakers and then another big game against the toronto raptors because everyone's focus right now for the boston celtics is avoid 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 the Milwaukee Bucks until the Eastern Conference Finals and try and get home court advantage against whether it's the Raptors, the Heat, whichever team comes in third. So that is the focus for the Boston Celtics is to get that two seed. Currently, they are one and a half games behind the Toronto Raptors for that second seed and, of course, for the Atlantic Division lead as well. The Boston Celtics lead the season series against the Toronto Raptors 2-1. to one. That's why their most recent game against them, when was it, a couple days after Christmas, wasn't it? It was something like that. When did they play the Raptors? Wasn't it like a couple days after Christmas? Or am I losing my mind? Yeah, it was a couple days after Christmas where they got absolutely blown out at home by the Raptors. If they won that and then they tied, they would have won the season series and that would have been a huge tiebreaker. So that game against the Toronto Raptors, which I think is in March, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's... Friday, March 20th in Toronto. The Celtics haven't won a lot in Toronto, so that's going to be a big game because if they can win that game, they win the season series, and it ends up as a tiebreaker, then the Celtics would get that two seed. So fingers and toes crossed. The Celtics, uh, I'm sorry, the Raptors currently have the 11th toughest schedule remaining. Three games against the Bucks and one game against the Lakers, just to point out a couple games. Now we have to look at how the rest of the East is looking because, folks, there's only 28 games left until the playoffs. So we got to look 
every single game matters now because the Eastern Conference is that tight, especially spots two to five. You know, the Celtics only have, I think they're four and a half games up in the 76ers. The Celtics could be the fifth seed if they lose like four or five games in a row and the 76ers start playing well, which they have started playing well as of late. Uh, so right now, it's the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, and then the fourth seed is the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat have the fifth easiest schedule remaining, according to Tankathon.com. Two games versus the Bucks, a game against the Celtics, and against and a game against the Raptors. So that's pretty good. But they also have 16 home games left and only 12 road games left. And as we all know, the Miami Heat are really good at home. They've only lost three home games all year. So not ideal. And then the Philadelphia 76ers. Philadelphia 76ers have been playing well as of late because Joel Embiid finally realizes that he has to play like an asshole for them to play well. And I don't know. I'm a little nervous because <laughs> I know it's four and a half games and I know the Celtics. You know, when you look at the Celtics schedule after this little four-game West Coast road trip, they play the Nets, they play the Raptors, uh, but they play the Wizards, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Nets again, the Wizards again. So... You know, you look at those type of situations, you're like, okay, you're feeling good about it. But the 76ers have the second easiest schedule remaining in the NBA behind the New Orleans Pelicans. They still have two games against the Bucs, one of them this upcoming Saturday. And then one game against the Lakers, one game against the Raptors, one game against the Clippers, and one game against the Rockets. So that's good, right? So you're like, oh, okay, those five games, those five or six games that I just mentioned, that's tough. But then the rest of their schedule is like the Hawks, the Cavs. The Knicks, just like really, really easy teams. And you're just like, you mother truckers. They still have the best home record in the NBA, and they have 14 home games remaining at home. And they're, But here's the thing. They're also 9-13 and on the road, uh, and they have 13 games remaining on the road. So it is going to be a very interesting, you know, six, seven weeks before the playoffs start, and every game matters, and the Boston Celtics really have to focus on all of that. So before we get going on recapping the week, let's recap NBA All-Star Weekend, one of the most memorable All-Star Weekends in quite some time. Uh, you got to start off with how Team USA beat Team World. It's basically the rookies and the sophomores. Uh, if, you're, if you were not born in the United States, you're Team World, obviously, and then obviously if you're born in the United States, you're Team USA. The Team USA won 151 to 131, and Miles Bridges from the Charlotte Hornets was your MVP. A lot of Charlotte Hornets in this game. Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges. A fun, entertaining game. Clearly no defense was being played in any way, shape, or form. John Morant played, Zion played, Luka played, Trey Young, etc., etc. Really cool to see what the NBA is going to look like in the future, and I think they got some pretty good star power. And then you have NBA All-Star Saturday night. One of my favorite week, uh, one of my favorite nights of the year, love watching it. Told you guys that story about how my mom used to record it for me, like on VHS, you know, our DVR, our generation's DVR, if you will. Uh, it first started off with the Taco Bell Skills Challenge, which your defending champion, Jason Tatum, was in, and he lost to uh, Sabonis from the Pacers. Notice that I cannot say his first name, so I will always say Sabonis from the Pacers. Uh, he lost to him in the first round. Sabonis actually made it to the finals, and he lost to Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat. Um, who would have known that two centers would have made it to the finals of the Taco Bell Skills Challenge, but that's what makes it pretty exciting. So congratulations to Bam on that. Uh, your three-point contest was won by 
Wait, who won the three-point contest? Oh, my God. Why am I having a brain fart? Oh, Buddy Heald. That's right. He beat Devin Booker. Oh, my God. What an idiot. But yeah, Buddy Heald from the Sacramento Kings. He won. He, I think he scored 28 points in the final round, and Devin Booker got 27. A very impressive night of shooting. I really thought, you know, last week I was venting about how I thought the Mountain Dew six-foot shot behind the basket would be ridiculous, and it kind of was, but it actually wasn't that bad. Uh, I still hated it. I still just wish they did, that they did the five racks, but it is what it is. I literally cannot, <laughs> I literally cannot believe that I forgot who won the NBA three-point contest because that one was a lot of fun, and the shooting was very good, and wow. I feel dumb. But anyways, let's talk about the NBA dunk contest. It was won by Derek Jones Jr. Aaron Gordon got screwed. You could 1,000% say that. The guy got five fifties and lost. It should have been a tie. It, like, no joke. It should have been. They should have had two dunks each and a dunk off, like double overtime. Should have ended in a tie. It would have been a really cool moment. Derek Jones, here's the thing. I think Derek Jones gave me more like, oh, shit, dunks where Aaron Gordon's dunks were like, wow, that was impressive. I liked how Derek Jones like threw it down, like really gave it some power and some authority. It was kind of reminded me, I, I'm, again, I'm not comparing, kind of reminded me of Dominique Wilkins. You know when Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan had that incredible dunk off back in 1988 or was it 86? Anyways, back in the 80s, Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan where some argued that Dominique Wilkins should have won the dunk contest if Michael Jordan didn't jump from the free throw line. Um, Derek Jones just threw it down with a lot of power. And most of these guys try to be cute with finesse. But I, I liked how he threw it down with like some anger and some power. But Aaron Gordon had some unbelievable dunks. Both players had unbelievable dunks. It should have been a tie. Aaron Gordon definitely got screwed. I don't blame him for never wanting to do the dunk contest. He got screwed back in 2016 as well with Zach Levine winning the dunk contest. Aaron Gordon should have won, and it was absolutely incredible that he dunked over Taco Fall. Sure, he pushed his head down a little bit, so he might have only, you know, instead of being 7'5", he might have only been like 7 feet. But either way, Taco Fall was involved. This was probably the only time that I've probably cheered for Taco for something that actually came to the fact of basketball, minus him improving. But he had some unbel- he had an unbelievable outfit on. The fact that his turtleneck could actually fit that long neck and then the the striped pants, it was all it was all pretty crazy. Overall a very, very fun NBA All Star Saturday night with Bam winning the Taco Bell skill challenge, Buddy winning the three point contest, and Derek Jones Jr. winning the dunk contest. Alright, then the NBA All Star game. There was a different format this year. I love the format. You know, three Three separate quarters. Each one of them starts 0-0. Zero to zero. They're 12 minutes long. And then they added 24 points uh, for the combined score of the three quarters into the fourth quarter. And they had to score. So, if you know, the final score after three quarters was 133 for Team Giannis, which was in the lead. So they added 24 points in memory of Kobe Bryant. So it was the first team to get to 157, no clock. The players buckled down. The defense was crazy. There were reviews called, like coaches' challenges. Offensive fouls were being taken. It was pretty crazy. A little over the top at times with how aggressive the referees got into it. But, you know, what else is new with the NBA? But uh, the only thing that I did not like about it is how it ended on a free throw. I think next year, if they're going to do this format, I say if someone gets fouled, 
side out unless it's in the form of shooting. But if it's the final play of the game, side out. Pass the ball in. Score on your own. But overall, it was really cool. I loved how $100,000 at the end of the first, second, and third quarter went to a charity. And the fourth quarter, $200,000 went to a charity. And those people who were involved in the charity were actually at the game. So they were... They were literally like cheering the other team on, booing the other team. The atmosphere seemed really, really cool in there. So congratulations to the NBA on a very successful NBA All-Star weekend. All right. Before we get into the Rockets and Clippers game, I have to congratulate Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, he has been named a finalist for the Basketball Hall of Fame. Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan are the other two headliners of the most likely 2020 Hall of Fame class, so salute to both of them. And then Kevin Garnett will have the number five retired at TD Garden next season. The Celtics announced that during the Clippers game the other day. So number five will be going up to the rafters right next to Paul Pierce. And I think it's well-deserved. You can compare, you know, some of his stats with some of the other Celtics players that are up there uh, that weren't there with the team that long. Kevin Garnett definitely changed the culture. You could argue that the Celtics would have won it in 09 if Kevin Garnett was healthy and not hurt. Maybe the Orlando Magic wouldn't have gone to the NBA Finals. It would have been the Boston Celtics. Um, so it, it's tough. You know, you could say maybe KG should have been with the team longer. The fact that Minnesota Timberwolves haven't even retired his number yet, which is a little crazy if you ask me because he was everything to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But he was obviously a pleasure. Pleasure. An absolute pleasure to watch. He got you so fired up for these games. He, but my whole thing is, is I think Ray Allen should go up too because he was the one that started the big three. Kevin Garnett would have never been a member of the Boston Celtics if Ray Allen didn't agree to a trade from the Seattle Supersonics. What's up, Big T? To the Boston Celtics. So I think you can start a new banner. You retire number 20, and if the Celtics win another title with Danny Ainge as the GM, you throw 44 up there. I, I really and truly believe that. I mean, Danny Ainge has won a couple NBA titles, like more NBA titles than KG did with the Boston Celtics, you know, in the 80s. He was a huge part of those 80s teams. And you could say that he won two two or three as a player, two as a GM. It's pretty impressive. He's won more titles than KG. <laughs> so think of it that way. But uh, overall, I'm okay with it. I just think that if you're going to do it, you also got to throw Ray Allen's number up there too. Ray Allen was a huge part of this team, and everyone has to get over the fact that he left. Like he, They were going to blow up the team. He, he knew what was going on. All right, let's recap the Houston Rockets game. The Celtics lost. Uh, they were down in Houston. They lost 116-105. to 105. This game was annoying. It, it really and truly was. Like, Sure, you could say the refs sucked, blah, 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 blah. They gave Westbrook and Harden too many calls, blah, 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 blah. But the way the Rockets play just, like, made my eyes bleed. You know, the small the small ball lineup is ballsy. The fact that P.J. Tucker is their center and P.J. Tucker is, like, 6'6 on a good day. You know, it's uh, – I respect the living crap out of the Rockets for trying it out. I don't think analytically it works. Um, and we all know that I'm a big analytical guy when it comes to the NBA. But – it's it's interesting, it really is, but it just it's just awful to watch. I mean, to see Ennis Cantor struggle in a game where he should have dominated was just brutal. It, it was absolutely brutal. I mean, Cantor looked awful out there. Now, this would have been a great game for the Time Lord, and hopefully the Time Lord 
everything is saying that the Time Lord will be back after the All-Star break. I'm sure the Celtics will keep him on a minute restriction to start, but hopefully he starts right away and gets really back in the groove of things because adding the Time Lord to the bench will be huge. Grant Williams can play more of the four than the five, and I think that will be great. But we all have to realize that James Harden is a top five player in the league, no doubt. But him dribbling and dribbling and dribbling and dribbling and dribbling and dribbling and dribbling, ooh, Oh, and dribbling, and then just chucking it up and then somehow getting a foul called is beyond annoying. But it works. That's why he leads the league in scoring, and you have to respect that. But my God, is it so annoying. You know, and I was nervous that the Celtics were going to try and keep up with the Rockets' three-point shooting. I, I mentioned that in episode 68. They took 32 threes and shot 34%, which isn't terrible because the Rockets shot more three-pointers and they had a worse three-point percentage overall. There were times where, you know, Marcus Smart forced up a couple of threes where it's like, hey, buddy, you're on the floor with Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, and Jalen Brown. You are the fifth scoring option, okay? Unless you hit, like, your first couple threes in a row, like the Clippers game, which we'll talk about in a little bit, stop chucking it up. Seriously, just stop chucking it up. Um, Speaking about Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, what a tough, gritty performance. Jalen Brown has two bad ankles, and he was one of the best players on the floor. He absolutely stuffed the living crap out of Russell Westbrook on one of his drives, which is very impressive. Later on in the game, he got a calf contusion. I'm glad the Celtics sat him out against the Clippers. We'll talk about that in a little bit, like I mentioned. But he, I just thought it was a ballsy performance. Guy ruled his ankle, you know, his left ankle last week, uh, the week before, and then his right ankle, like, uh, against the Thunder a couple games before that. So just props to Jalen Brown for really Really playing a nice, tough, gritty game. Uh, I was really content with how the Celtics came out in the first quarter. I mean, they only scored 19 points, but they were only down four, so you're content with that. They got some open shots, and they were hitting them to start. Some of them didn't fall later, but I didn't like how there were so many switches onto James Harden, but I figured that was going to change, but it just didn't. I, I didn't. The Celtics are usually good at switching. But at times, they're also really good at fighting through screens, and I thought that was a good opportunity for do that, especially their defensive rotations. Like, if you can't switch over in time, someone will slide over. James Harden's also a really good passer. So I thought that was going to change. But I loved how the Celtics closed out the second quarter in this game. They went on a 12-4 run, and they were up two at halftime. Loved how they really... Gordon had a huge three during that 12-4 run. Um, Hayward was so, so good in this game, guys. Like, sneaky good because Tatum was terrible. Uh, Tatum was not good at all. You need Gordon Hayward to step up when Tatum's off because Tatum couldn't hit a thing. He even airballed a free throw. That's how off Tatum was. I mean, Hayward had 20 points, 8 boards, 6 assists. (laughs) Like, just absolute bananas of a game. Um, But then... In the third quarter, James Harden does what he always does to the Celtics. He just absolutely dominated the third quarter and the fourth quarter. The Celtics were down 12 at one point because of how much James Harden just started hitting threes, getting a bunch of calls going his way, and the Celtics just couldn't fight back. Westbrook and Harden combined for 78 points on 42 shots. The Celtics bit on every single shot fake, which was so freaking annoying. Oh, my God, that was so annoying. But, you know, it is what it is. And... I do have to say this, like, I understand James Harden and Russell Westbrook probably get some calls that are, you know, they're at home, maybe they're getting the all-star treatment, but I didn't like how Marcus Smart acted after the game about the officiating, saying, you know, we got a couple of all-stars too, blah, 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 just shut up and play the game, that's why we love you, Marcus Smart, you shut up, 
You go balls to the wall. Don't complain to the officials. That's how the Rockets play. Everyone should be used to it. And just keep playing. We obviously see the Houston Rockets next Saturday, the uh, February 29th Leap Day, which is pretty cool. I, You know, I heard that Leap Day is like one of the biggest drinking days of the year. Isn't that weird? Or whenever it happens, every four or five years. Imagine being born on a Leap Day. Wouldn't that be crazy? Like you only celebrate your birthday like every like four years. Like That's just so weird. So if you were like 24 years old, technically you're only like six yeah, I don't know. Crazy. Science. Math. Bananas. All right. The Celtics beat the Clippers. What a huge game at TD Garden last Thursday night. Yes, I understand Paul George didn't play in the second half, so you could put a little little asterisk over it, but the Celtics didn't have Jalen Brown all day. I'm not comparing them because Paul George is a top, thir- uh, top 13. I just thought of the number 13 because everyone calls him PG-13, but Paul George is a top 10 player in the NBA. No questions asked. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Don't argue with me. I don't care if he was in the All-Star game, wasn't in the All-Star game, whatever the case may be. Paul George is a top 10 player in the NBA. Jalen Brown is a very, very, very good basketball player. So obviously, Paul George in the clutch, in overtime, not being in the game, was huge. And you could say the same about Jalen Brown. But again, Paul George is better than Jalen Brown. Glad that's over. What I didn't want to see end, or I wish I could watch over and over again, was Jason Tatum. Holy shit. What a night from Jason Tatum. Like, holy freaking shit. What a night from Jason Tatum on both ends of the floor. Tatum guarded Kawhi Leonard on 24 possessions and held him to 4 of 12 shooting. Let me say that again, folks. Jason Tatum guarded Kawhi Leonard on 24 possessions and held him to 4 of 12 shooting. That is awesome. Jason Tatum is finally turning into that incredible two-way player that we all want. If JT can keep this up, he could be a top three or four player in the league, especially if he does it on both ends of the floor. It was absolutely incredible. You, When you think of Kawhi Leonard, you think of two-way player. When you think of Paul George, you think a two-way player. When you think of LeBron James, for the most part, he's one of the best two-way players in the league. But Jason Tatum showed that he has potential of being a top three or four player. Like, I am I literally just sat here like in awe, like thinking about what I saw during this game, especially like in the first quarter, especially in the fourth quarter, and over in both overtimes, because it was a double overtime game. It was an absolutely banana game. I'm literally just sitting here like staring at the wall, like imagining that it's like the highlights of the game. And I literally just like had a blackout moment. That's why I paused there. But that was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, he was 14 to 23 from the field, five of 10 from three. He had nine boards, 39 points. 14 of those came in the first quarter. Kawhi had 15 in the first quarter. So to keep up with him in the first quarter was huge because Kawhi could have just ended this game at the end of the first quarter with how aggressive he was being and how he was hitting everything, just like he did in the NBA All-Star game. He was the NBA All-Star game MVP. Think about that. The first annual Kobe Bryant NBA All-Star MVP, Kawhi Leonard, was shut down defensively by our own Jason Tatum. Absolutely crazy. Now, you could say that most of Jason Tatum's shots were against Shamit and not Kawhi because, you know, Kawhi and Shamit would switch whenever, you know, Marcus Smart or Kemba came over to set a screen. So that's fair. But 
Tatum scored 39 points against Los Angeles Clippers, one of the best defensive teams in the league, and you can't take that away from him. I mean, sure, him going 6 of 10 from the line wasn't ideal, and missing two free throws in overtime was borderline, you know, almost gave me a stroke. But he took over this game, he dominated this game, he wanted this game, and at the end of the game, at this moment, at the end of the game, do you want the ball in Kemba's hand or Jason Tatum's hand? And you could say over the last two or three weeks, give me Jason Tatum. I want Jason Tatum to have the ball at the end of the game and not Kemba Walker, which is absolutely crazy because Kemba Walker is one of the best fourth quarter scorers in the entire NBA. I mean, these last two weeks have two or three weeks have just been incredible by Jason Tatum. It was his eighth 30 point game of the season. It was one of my favorite performances I've ever seen as a Celtics player. Not even just like Jason Tatum, like overall, like it was just one of those really, really special nights. And I was really glad to be there, but to kind of break down the game a little bit, you know, the first quarter, this, the Clippers came out hitting everything, you know, like I mentioned, Kawhi had 15 points, but Marcus Smart also saved us. Marcus Smart had 10 points in the first quarter. Marcus Smart overall in this game dropped 31 points, four steals, three assists, but he also took 14 three-pointers. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm super allergic to that, and I am all set with all of that. I never want to see Marcus Smart shoot 14 threes ever again. I think he made five or six of them. So, like, here's the thing. If Marcus Smart took 10 three-pointers and he went five or six, I'd be like, oh, my God, Marcus Smart shot 50%. That's unbelievable. He shot 60% from three. Maybe he should do that more often. But because he only went five of 14 or six of 14, whatever the case may be, it's like, no, dude, stop shooting the ball. Stop shooting the ball. Now, the bad part about this game, because it wasn't all pretty, was the fact that it went into double overtime. I mean, Hayward of six was 6 of 21 from the field. He grabbed 13 boards. He hit some big shots late. But in the first overtime, he had an opportunity to take a wide-open three, and he decided to drive to the basket, pass it up. The Celtics didn't score on that possession. I have never been so mad at someone. I was thinking about running down the stairs, tackling him, and saying, what were you thinking? Because if he hit that three in that corner, ball game. We don't go into second overtime. Thanks for coming out. Like, oh my God, that was so infuriating. So infuriating. But the fact that he got 13 boards is pretty incredible. And speaking of rebounding, let's talk about Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker got 19, uh, 19, nine rebounds in this game. It felt like he got 19 rebounds. But Kemba Walker, our starting point guard, got nine rebounds with a sore left knee going into the All-Star break. Much respect to Kemba for that. And then Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor was big. You know, Zubak didn't go out. He Once Zubak went out for them, Montreal Harrell came in. Montreal Harrell uh, is very physical. Cantor kept up with them. Cantor had eight boards. And with that being said, this is probably going to be one of the shortest banner banters uh, of the year. Or um, banner banters. Cantor banters of the year because it's only going to be like 11 seconds long because he only had three rebounds against the Rockets because he played so poorly and it didn't work in any way, shape, or form. And I'm still kind of mad at Brad Stevens for playing him in that game because it just didn't work. Play the music. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor banter, baby. Wow! Okay, one last thing about the Clippers game. Lou Williams. This dude named Lou Williams, this dude's special. 
That dude kept the Clippers in the game and is always awesome to watch. He can score from anywhere on the court. He is just a hooper. 35 points off the bench is just incredible. He's one of the best, if not the best, bench players I have ever seen. Ever. And I'm just not in this game. Just like overall, he is one of the best hoopers in the NBA. He's he's awesome. He's right up there with the Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, Lou Williams, like guys that I would love to have on my team. Lou Williams is always welcome on my team anytime. But that's your recap of the week. They lose to the Rockets, beat the Clippers. Great game. My mind is all mumbled jumble from working all weekend, so sorry if I'm a little all over the place. But I was really excited about this Clippers win. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Celtics can do post-All-Star break. And let's just get right into the post-All-Star break. The Celtics, you know, they have four games in six days, all versus the Western Conference. But we'll start off with the two games that they're playing this weekend. The first one is Friday night, 8 o'clock, in Minnesota. And that will be on NBC Sports Boston. And then Sunday, 3.30, on ABC, at the Staples Center, against the Los Angeles Lakers. So let's get fired up. And juiced up for that game because I hate the Lakers. Anyways, uh, the <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves are currently sixteen and thirty-seven. Uh, they are one and nine in their last ten games. That's right. They've only won one game in their last ten games, and their one win was against the Los Angeles Clippers, one forty-two to one fifteen. They wiped the floor with the Clippers. Uh, uh, recently, uh, the uh, uh, wow. See, I'm all over the place. <laughs> I need some sleep. Um, they recently just got D'Andre Russell from the Golden State Warriors. Remember, he played for the Brooklyn Nets, and then they got Kyrie, and then they did that sign-and-trade with the Warriors. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are a nice one-two punch. They're really good friends. That should be a good pick-and-roll combo. You know, Towns, of course, Carl Anthony Towns will have some success against the Celtics' bigs. He can stretch the floor, shoots the three-point ball. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of like Tice does, like, if he's wide open, take it. But like, besides that, let's just be in the post. Uh, he'll he'll give the Celtics some problems. Uh, the Celtics can throw basically anything and everyone at D'Angelo Russell. The last time D'Angelo Russell played the Celtics was against when he was playing for the Warriors on January 30th at TD Garden, where he scored 22 points. They have Malik Beasley. He's pretty good. Okaji, hell of a defender. Um, Crab, who can shoot the lights out, uh, and then. Reed, he's pretty good. Not like a kind of like Grant Williams, like, you know, just a reasonable NBA bench player. Um, if the bench can keep playing that the way that they did these last couple weeks, uh, I think the Celtics bench have a has a big, big advantage over the Timberwolves bench. So hopefully that can keep up. But here's the thing, folks, the Minnesota Timberwolves can score the basketball and D'Angelo Russell being on this team will only help them. The Celtics drop 113 points a game. The T-Wolves drop 112 a game. But here's the thing. They allow 115 points a game where the Celtics only give up 106. So keep up the de- defensive intensity. Make sure, give them four shot. you know, give them some four shots, some tough shots, and you should be able to win this game. Like, I'm really not worried about it because they are the second worst three-point shooting team in the league. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell will help them with that because D'Angelo Russell is a very good three-point shooter. And obviously, with Carl Anthony Towns there, could create some space. And some switches that you're not going to be a fan of. So, but overall, the only thing I'm really worried about in this game is just rust. You know, Jalen Brown will basically not be playing an NBA game in nine days. You know, did Kemba get enough uh, rest for his left knee? 
those type of things I'll be looking at uh, in this game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, how can the Celtics do a season sweep of Los Angeles Lakers? Can they beat the Lakers the same way that they did last month? So obviously for the Lakers, the first excuse that they used when they lost to the Celtics on January 20th, 2020, was the fact that LeBron James won't be in Springfield, Massachusetts at noon that day, and it won't mess up his pregame routine because he won't have to watch his son, Bronny, play in a high school basketball tournament. So that excuse is out the door. Uh, the real question is, can the Celtics drop 30-plus points for all four quarters? Obviously, they dropped 33, 36, 35, and 35 in that game, and I don't know if that can happen again. I mean, I hope it does. Don't tempt me with a good time, but can the Celtics shoot 46% from three again? I don't think so. So where are you going to find the scoring? Wouldn't mind a big Kemba and JT game versus just like Kemba with a big game and Tatum, nah, or Tatum with a big game and Kemba, nah. oh, excuse me. So yeah, so I would like everyone involved in the Celtics game to go balls to the wall. Everyone to have a big game because they're going to need it. Can the Celtics limit LeBron James and Anthony Davis to only, I think, combined, they went like, I think... What was it? They went like 8 of 20, the two of them, or 8 of 19 shooting overall. Yeah, I think the two of them went 8 of 19 shooting in that game in January at TD Garden. I don't think that's going to happen again. I don't know if anyone saw LeBron James play the Nuggets before the All-Star break, but he treated that game like a playoff game, and it was scary. He, oh, man, I'm telling you, when when he turns it up, it is still scary, scary stuff. Of course, the bench will be huge in this game, just like it will be in that Timberwolves game, like I mentioned. You know, can Wanamaker play better than Caruso and Rondo? Can Shemi and Grant body up against Dwight Howard? Will Time Lord be back? Will he be able to handle, like, JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard? Uh, You might see some Romeo minutes uh, just defensively to slow down Kyle Kuzma with his defense because Kyle Kuzma, you know, can score off the bench for these guys. When he's on, the Lakers are very good because, obviously, that gives LeBron a rest. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see, but I would love the Time Lord to be back in this game, even if it's for like a limited role, like just 12 minutes, that could help the Celtics, that will help Tice, that will help Cantor, that will help uh, Grant Williams, especially because Dwight Howard and Javel McGee are much bigger than them. Cantor, you know, Cantor had a double-double the last time these two teams played, he's going to have to do that again, he's going to have to be physical with Dwight Howard, he's going to have to be physical with Anthony Davis, so that'll be very good. Here's the other thing. The Celtics have to take care of the basketball, and they have to limit the Lakers' points off turnovers. The Celtics allowed 28 points off of turnovers, so they're going to have to get back on defense if they're going to turn over the ball a lot in this game, which I hope isn't the case, but the Lakers are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. So that is basically it. Oh, we still have to do stud and dud of the week, but that is basically the preview of these two games that are coming up this week for the Boston Celtics. And then obviously next week on episode 70 of the Banner Banter podcast, which is pretty crazy that will be the 70th episode, I'll be previewing their back-to-back games against the Trailblazers and the Jazz, and then their big game against the Houston Rockets Saturday night at TD Garden at 7.30. So let's do sudden dud of the week. Let's go. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. All right, folks, this is going to be quick and easy. The set of the week is Jason Tatum. Yes, he sucked against the Houston Rockets, but the Clippers game, okay? The Clippers game. That is why he's the stud of the week. And he was also very good 
against Oklahoma City Thunder too, but the Clippers game, the Clippers game. And your dud of the week is um, where are my Romeo Lankford fans at? I uh, I didn't see him play a lot this week. I, I I just didn't know if anyone else saw him, or maybe maybe like I went up and you know went to the bathroom, and then he came in and did like a bunch of stuff. But I didn't I didn't see him a lot. I I thought he uh, thought he was like the the next coming of Christ or something. Yeah yeah didn't see him. All right, that is it for uh, episode sixty nine of the Vinegar Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, whatever the case may be, leave a rating, subscribe, leave a five star review if you don't mind. That'd be great. Uh, anyways, thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night. Good night.